And listen, you can power chat, but I'm gonna. I'm just gonna get through Ukraine. I'm, a, you know, we're doing Ukraine, and then I'll answer them after. <clears throat> September eighth, besides being when the Queen died, was already set to be a meeting uh, between NATO and its lapdogs. And to what was going to be discussed was essentially with zero victories up until Kharkiv, it's getting harder and harder for them to justify to their populations to send a bunch of money and guns and volunteer fighters and everything into Ukraine. They're just going into the meat grinder. Ukraine was well aware of this. So on Aug from August 27th up to the 8th, they decided to go all out. Now, up until this point, they are following the strategy they had before they almost started the war. They were going to preemptively attack Donbass, and then Donbass got wind of those plans and hit them. As soon as the heavy artillery went off in February, uh, Donbass fired back, then declared themselves independent, which Russia recognized. Ukraine kept pushing, so Russia sent in uh, troops in a special military operation. It's very different from a war. People are like, it's a war. I'm like, eh. It's a war in the sense of it's similar in the equipment and manpower and stuff, but it's not a war because legally Russia is greatly restrained. They've got 210,000 troops. They could have over a million if, it was, if they wanted to declare war. <clears throat> I'll tell you why, why not do that. Why not just get it over with? Well, like look at today, what happened in Azerbaijan is popping off on Armenia again. And Armenia went to Russia to negotiate a ceasefire, which has to be backed by Russian force. So you could have Russian troops dragged into Azerbaijan. It could pop off in Georgia again. So they're keeping, they're keeping in a special military operation. There's a reason they have reserves. They did war games with China, and it's really, honestly, it is enough because Ukraine is just, it's just Ukraine. <laughs> what they did in desperation up until this point. What you've seen is, I'm going to skip phase one, just go to phase two, because I assume you know what happened in, in March and April. Donbass territory has slowly been going to Russia through, the main tactic has just been a barrage of artillery, because they've got them outranged, out-teched, and out-ammoed. They have more of it. It shoots further, it impacts harder, and they have all the computerization parts that go with it. Like if you've seen my video, a plane is not a plane, a missile is not a missile. It's all the computation of uh, technology that guides those things that make them as effective as they are. It's not the payload, it's not just the range, it's you know communicating with drones and all this other stuff that makes them accurate and hit hard. Ukraine's strategy was going to be to pull them into a porcupine, to have zigzagged entrenchments, and to play defense in a war of attrition and bleed Russia like they were bled in Afghanistan. Just bleed them dry with this knickknacky stuff. Don't give decisive battles. Stay in. Uh, they cannot siege your cities. All you have to do is avoid envelopment. And do this World War One-like trench warfare and bleed them through attrition. And you saw one talking head after another saying, "This is going to be Russia's Afghanistan. 
We're gonna bleed them. We're gonna make sure they never uh, do this again. It's gonna be too costly a Pyrrhic victory because you really can't defeat them with just Ukraine. But we're gonna, they're gonna be NATO trained, NATO supplied, and we're gonna force Russia is gonna have to come into our porcupine. And why do they think Russia would have to rush in? Because they assumed that the economic sanctions by the West, by America especially, were going to destroy them. They we're going to kick them off the SWIFT system, and we're going to undermine their economy, and they're going to have to do a quick war, and they're going to have to run in and sacrifice too many, because time will be on our side. Well, they got their premise wrong, because that's not what happened. The sanctions not only did not devastate Russia, and I explained why, there's a video I did with Reed Coverdale, that, and there's also a Substack post, post I made that went all into the deep, nerdy economic crap they did, diversifying their currencies and da 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 da, da to get around, to the brilliant way of dodging this economic warfare. Okay, so the result is, skipping all the nerd stuff, it didn't devastate Russia. And not only did it not devastate Russia, it did devastate Europe. And it's had an impact on the United States, although a lot of that is being blamed on Ukraine when really most of it, most of the pain the U.S. is feeling isn't from sanctions. It's from Biden. His ESG policy is insane environmentalist stuff, closing down pipelines, all this inflation. If you remember, this was all occurring before the war in Ukraine. You cannot blame the price hikes and all that on the sanctions. That did matter. It definitely mattered in Europe. These are totally different things. But in the United States, Biden is the reason you have the inflation you have, the supply shortages you have, is from his retarded policies. And it doesn't help to sanction Russia, but they were already sanctioning Russia. Trump already had sanctions on Russia, so Obama, they're not really adding that much. Okay. Europe's a different story, especially Germany. And followed by Italy. I mean, they had paid for a pipeline that they then didn't use. They turned off their nuclear power plants. This all hurts their ability to produce electricity. They need gas. They need oil. Then they sanction Russia outright. They are going to have a very dark winter. And it's hurt Ukraine. So, their strategy of making them charge a porcupine failed because Russia's like, we're doing this at our pace because we're not in a hurry. You're the ones bleeding. You're the ones suffering from attrition. We're not going to charge these trenches. We're just going to sit back and lob artillery because that is a very slow way of getting rid of the enemy, but it's at really no cost. Like you're not losing personnel. You lose money, but they had stockpiled ammunition. They've been preparing this since at least 2014. They're raining down, you know, 60,000 a day. That's like more than a month worth what the other side has. Like the West did not plan on getting into an artillery pissing contest. And the, but they're in one and they're losing it. And so that's why you see Russian gains were very methodical and slow, you know. And the key from the Russian war strategy is don't lose personnel. Machines can be replaced, ammo can be replicated people take a long time to grow could they have seized Mary Apple just go in and do it fast yeah at a cost so what they did instead they surrounded it 
They cut off all supplies going to it. They would not allow anyone out or anyone in. And they let them starve and thirst themselves into surrender. And then they put them on buses, probably sent them to Siberia. A lot of them are in jail in the Donbass. Some of the worst, like what they keep calling Nazis out of Azov, are, you know, working in the coal mines in Siberia or whatever. They're, they're in labor camps. They're done. And they don't have access to their steroids and stuff, and they're shriveling up. I I know there are people that worship, you know, Bandera and all that, but I think the Nazi thing is a bit more nuanced than that. Most of these people are just diehard Ukrainian nationalists that hate Russians. It's not the same kind of Nazi as the 1930s uh, built around anti-Semitism and blaming Jews for the Treaty of Versailles and da, 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 da. a little bit different, whatever. So they are doing, rather than sieging, they just surround because the clock's on their side. Okay, it's the exact opposite of what the West anticipated. So then you see them, there was a breakthrough at Papasnia, and I did a video on what happened there. But Ukraine did this belt theory where they're like weak, strong, weak, strong, weak. And with these strong like circles with like support in between. And Russia just avoided the circles and broke the lines uh, on the weak parts of the belt. And then enveloped them and routed them. Russia's been fighting like Mongolians. They've been doing the Golden Bridge tactic, which they implemented in Syria over and over again, right? They'd always relieve a, uh, a route of retreat. So in Syria, what they did is, you know, they're fighting them in Hama or in Dada or Palmyra, although they did make one mistake in Palmyra in 2016. I'll skip that. Deir or wherever. But they let them go to Afrin. You can always retreat up into Idlib, which was Sunni all the time anyway, hardcore fanatics. And there's good thinking in that because if an enemy is completely surrounded back to the wall, they might as well fight to the last man. But if you give them an out, a lot, some of them will run away and some will not, which divides their force and the ones who stay end up getting murdered. And the ones that leave get to live to see another day. But you're just trying to take territory and infrastructure and all. So you let them run. Let them run. <clears throat> then you squish them at the end. But each time you have a battle where they're not all, when they don't have a ordered retreat, then some good portion of them that stay just get murked because you either need to all stay together or all run together. If some of you flee, because you see, and oh, they got us in front, left, and right, I'll go backwards. And some don't, you know, that's, it's a strategy. And it's called the Golden Bridge. The Mongolians did it all the time where they would leave an escape route as a way of moving the enemy around the battlefield, the chessboard, to their liking. And for Mongolians, usually that's open field because they're a bunch of horse archers. But Russia has been doing that in Syria. They were doing it in Ukraine. Uh, and you can only do that when attrition's on your side, which it was. So they break through in Papasnia, then they get uh, Ism, <clears throat> which is a hard place to hold because it's surrounded by forests on both sides and river down the middle. It's not very good for tanks. Um, and you don't get air support because forests uh, cancel out drones and air because the forests hide you, offers you protection. Forests cancel out tanks uh, if they're thick enough. Depends on the forest. It's not, uh, not all forests is a forest. But a thick enough forest... You, you basically, you got to have infantry. There's no way in and out of that. 
other than infantry. You can have some mechanized units mounted, but not like, you know, <clears throat> a real mounted division. The trees are in the way. It really is that simple. So, okay, so they take Donbass. They made the land bridge to Crimea. They capture Mariupol, the headquarters of the Azov. They really knocked out all of Ukraine's best troops real early. Then they take most of Luhansk and Donetsk. <clears throat> they, there's the, the fall of Servodonetsk and the fall of Lizzie Shanks. Russia gobbles it up, but very methodically. They don't charge in because they're saving their personnel. That's the key Russian war strategy. So, Ukraine adapts. They change strategies. They say, okay, we cannot hide in our trenches forever. We're just getting picked off by artillery. We're going to have to charge. You could see this as a McClellan versus Grant, although they were both Union generals. McClellan was very methodical, figured when we have five times the population, we can <clears throat> be methodical and let the naval uh, blockades and things work their magic and, and save personnel. Grant was like, no, just send in human wave after human wave. Even if they kill three times as many of us, uh, we're taking their resources and they won't be able to sustain their army. <clears throat> that only works if you have more people and better technology, which Grant did have. Ukraine does not. And they, they're getting, they got a Pyrrhic victory in Kharkiv, which is already, already turning out to be a major mistake but they lost bad in at the uh, i hate this word Zeprosnia, the the power plant that was a special forces operation russia got hold of the plans knew exactly where they were landing and just murdered everybody it was a, a huge fail then they tried a three-pronged attack at kirsan kirsan's in the west you know just east of odessa they need to break through at kirsan they'd love to recapture Mariupol. They need a PR victory. They came out of their trenches and tried to hit in the center and the north and the south of that front. Okay. Although that would actually be east, west, and middle. It's not, but you know what I mean. The northern one was a total, they just, <clears throat> they went right into the grinder. The southern one, not much better. The one in the in the middle had a penetration, and then the jaws collapsed. These people lost. I'm going to give you the conservative four brigades. Could be more like six, but they lost about four thousand uh, men, which they don't have. They're crack troops. That sixty percent gone already. More like seventy after these offensives, but. One thing that that sacrifice did by just throwing in the waves in uh, Kyrgyzstan and openly announcing it all over, like leaking it social media, we're going to have this giant offensive in Kyrgyzstan. They just said it. It's so a Russia moved personnel to Kyrgyzstan to defend this upcoming attack. And they did. But they moved it away from Kharkiv. Ukraine also was launching an offensive in Kharkiv but they did the same thing they came out of the trenches they came out of the bunkers and these are you know underground well defended things and went in the open field and they they did something they hadn't been doing they stayed mounted 
it was a mechanized infantry that means they stayed in the trucks the tanks they could move forward fast a mounted assault the cavalry if you want to reach artillery because they are here's the thing when you're in open field it's a shooting gallery russian air force and artillery are going to pick you to pieces but it's like pickett's charge in the civil war which did reach the line right it did well that line stays and you reach it it's worth it it's like yeah okay there's this it sucks you're gonna lose a lot of guys but you gotta reach their artillery and take it out because if you just sit there um it's just gonna kill you slowly anyway and yet but they're not gonna lose anything so they're like okay we're gonna take one on the chin they got in there mechanized they utilize the forest as much as possible to avoid drones and airstrikes and to make it harder for artillery to hit them so but it's very hard to move your mechanized like i was saying it's very hard to get through with any heavy equipment so they're using their <clears throat> their light mechanized infantry armored vehicles things like that not not like tanks though just charge charge the artillery take them out Russia left militia there, not even proper Russians, like Ch Chechens, Waffen, any, any of that Wagner group. They weren't there. It was these <clears throat> this Donbass militia. And Ukraine hit a weak spot. But you know what they did? They had an organized retreat. They did their shooting gallery and then just backed up. So Ukraine sacrificed all these men. And in this, they lost about 2,000. Okay, They gained hundreds of miles of territory but it's like just fields and stuff in a couple towns like okay you have the hill <laughs> wow they're not gaining urban areas or anything with one exception ism which i'm gonna get to that so they sacrifice and russia just their hands around look at the map look at the map the you can color in the map more ukraine they got a counteroffensive and it finally worked their first victory since 2015 that a counter-strike gain territory okay <clears throat> i wouldn't get too excited about that when you gain that much that fast first of all russia was moving out of there anyway because i, I can tell you what i think well actually i'm not going to tell you what i think they're about to do because that would that could harm it i even i told you that, though before when i was on jf show that they're gonna do either a real or faint in Kyrgyzstan and then hit Kharkiv because that's where it's thin already and they did I was I don't think that was like any great insight I think a lot of people that have been looking at this every day see this coming I'm sure the Russians saw it coming so they just sidestep like okay it's like when you're in a boxing match and someone gets their second win and they come in with this flurry of haymakers you just move you move you wait they tire out, and then you get your anchor punch. That's what Ali did to Sonny Liston. They just back up. They're like, this, um, these towns aren't worth defending. We've been ordered to move anyway. <clears throat> Give them their, uh, their PR stunt. And it was very predictable that Ukraine was going to take this bait and get the PR. Because like I said, they're pressured so much to be able to point to something by September 8th. So they can show, see, give us money and guns and we can keep going on the offense. Well, what happens? Coincidentally or not, you can decide whether it was a reaction to them shelling the power plant or the offense in Kharkiv. The Russians take out the power grid. Lights off, buddy. Boom. 
which they hadn't done up to this point. They said it's reaction to the power plant. Fine. First, the lights go off. Russia pulls its troops out of the way. And now here comes the rain. The artillery and the air power last night was, I'm sure, hell on earth. And Ukraine lost another 800 guys, approximately. So it's like, hooray, you took this field, and now you didn't have time to build defensive positions. Russia finally has you out of your hole. And with nowhere to go, what are you going to abandon the territory you just took and go back to your bunker? Well, that'll ruin your PR stunt. So they start digging in, but just not enough. And uh, they got waxed last night. And they tried an offensive on Donbass, and that failed. <clears throat> and in Izum, Russia was down just down to one brigade. They've already moved everybody across the river. Izum was only important as part of this envelopment maneuver to Slavyansk. Do you need a map? I think I should get you a map. Just pull up a map. Pull up a map of Ukraine on your own if you need it. <clears throat> What's wrong with saying got waxed? They got what starched? What do y'all say? Murked? I don't like saying murked because that's mercenaries and that's not what that is. <clears throat> they tried to go on Donbass to continue the momentum of the offense. That didn't work at all because now they're fighting proper Russian military. The Wagner group has just gone into uh wait I can't, I'm skipping ahead I got to talk about ism <clears throat> so ism was part of this offense against um Slavyansk and to envelop the people that were fighting in Severodonetsk and Lizyshanks because of the Papasnia breakthrough so it's like a crab claw it can come up from the bottom or down from the top well the bottom one got there first Izum has lost its strategic importance because the Papasnia envelopment already allowed for the fall of Lizzie Shanks and uh, Subodonetsk. That's all Russian territory anyway. So there isn't really a good reason to stay in Izum. It's a weak position to defend. Forests on both sides do not favor the Russian style of warfare and the river. And they've just Throughout this whole war, I had a hard time crossing water. Their pontoon bridges have been a nightmare. Although Ukraine's not any better at it. That's never really changed. Like, from from ancient times to now, crossing the river sucks. You get, that's the, it's a very, rivers are really great for defense. <clears throat> and they're too shallow to stick a sub in or whatever. Okay, so, Russia's moving away from Izum. And Ukraine media is pulling this thing of, like, Someone's walking away and they run up and go, yeah, you better run. <laughs> they were already not going to stay there. Uh, they go into ism. The goal was Ukraine, like the serious people, not the PR stunt they're telling you. They thought, okay, Russia is leaving ism. Let's surround the remnants and encircle and kill a bunch of Russian soldiers. Like, you know, as some of them have left, some are staying behind. Let's catch the small portion and clap it. They tried and failed. They couldn't reach them. And, they, and I think that was bait too. Russia's like, oh, look, we only left one brigade here in Izum. Come get it. But see, the forces around them were the problem. And Ukraine just saw that, you know, tasty steak and went for it. And again, 
uh, you know, they they had a tactical victory and a strategic loss. The ground they gained in Kharkiv just isn't worth the trade. Uh, they just they and what they should have done from a, what I think, from a PR perspective. I'm gonna get you a map. <clears throat> is cash in their winnings like uh, it, to the layman it looks like oh look we got a bunch of a dirt we're winning and try to negotiate for a peace a settlement of some kind no they didn't do that let's see well let me get you a map that hopefully will have um not Cyrillic hold on a second <laughs> Because I'm going to get, um, I'm about to list off a bunch of stuff where geography is going to matter. So let me see if I can <clears throat> find one. Let's see, south front maybe. South front, by the way, has also been banned on the everything. Yeah, they straighten out their front lines. Let's see. Uh, here's a map. <clears throat> no, that's not the whole. I need a different one. <clears throat> Should have prepared this, huh? <laughs> uh, well. I want to talk about book mall, but I'm just trying to map. Do you, if you have any Ukraine questions on all the stuff I already said, go ahead and send them in. I'm looking for a proper map that has that. I want something topographical because it's going to matter in what I'm about to say, but I don't see it. Hmm. Uh, hell. <laughs> it's It really sucks because when you type, you can't just type in like Ukraine map. You're going to get a zillion things and none of them are what I want. Uh, there's some I could find without the pressure of being live, but oh well. Too bad. Uh, there's a place called Book Mall that is absolutely essential in defending the entire string and line from being flanked. If this position gets ta gets taken, their whole line gets flanked, and Ukraine apparently withdrew fighters from there to go to the Kharkiv offensive, and now the position they should have been defending is getting attacked. By the Wagner group, which could roll up everything between that and Slavyansk, could get rolled up by the Russians in the, in the next weeks. So they better have 
a strategy of, of putting somebody back in there. I think Ukraine, based on like civilian armchair like twitstorians, are going to make a push for Mariupol. It's like, what if we retook Mariupol? Ooh, in your face, pwned, whatever. And like, well, yeah, you can try to do that, but these aren't militia groups down there. The whole southern front is Russia proper, uh, with your <clears throat> elite Chechens, and a lot of the Chechens so far have been volunteer groups <clears throat> this is the proper chechens that fought the russians chechens and also the wagner group which is like russia's blackwater the high-paid professional soldiers from all across of the largest nation on earth geographically that's if, if you couldn't get in in kirsan and lost about four thousand people you're not going to get through this region and Kharkiv be damned. I mean, you floated through, you basically sacrificed 2,000 guys to take land and Russia sidestepped you. So this is not a strategic victory at all. Although as, as much as it'd be good, it's good for the morale. I'll tell you how it is a victory. It's a, it's a psychological victory and it's good for PR. It's good for pointing to something so they can get more weapons and money. And it's horrible for the ethnic Russians that live in those areas, which are now going to get tortured or killed. Like, how much stock are they going to have in having Russian forces there when Russian forces could leave and leave without them, and now they're left at the mercy of Ukraine? Sucks for them. But Russia is looking at the look. Russia's not. It's Russia. They don't. <laughs> they don't care. Uh, they're looking at the bigger picture of, yeah, it will suck for them. But staying and fighting, we would have lost men. Because they caught them unprepared. It's better to sidestep them. So that we can catch them in the open field. And annihilate them. In the long run. And then we'll retake the territory anyway. But civilians are going to get the brunt of this. And Ukraine does kill civilians. And they especially hate. Ethnic Russians. That gave even, a, even support on social media. If they find you doing that. You're getting jailed. Beaten. And maybe tortured. All right. Um, so what's happening now is they are making it rain. And I will tell you about this front. But it's like happening right now. So I guess I, I think by tomorrow I can give you the details on the results. Although I think these are pretty predictable. <clears throat> and it was just, let's not uh, shit ourselves either. This wasn't like Ukraine with NATO support. Actually... I'm going to quote uh, Scott Ritter because he had a good one and give him full credit on this. He said, uh, it's on my telegram, in Kyrgyzstan and around Kharkov was unlikely any Ukrainian opponent had ever previously faced. Russia was no longer fighting a Ukrainian army equipped by NATO, but rather a NATO army manned by Ukrainians. Yeah, and about 20% of their forces were NATO. Just NATO. You, Russia is fighting NATO. About 20% in that offensive weren't even Ukrainians with uh, NATO weapons. They were NATO fighters, NATO mercenaries from all over European countries and Canada went there and did it themselves because Ukraine has run out of trained professionals. They lost about 71% of their starting forces and all their crack troops are gone. So NATO is starting to fill in the gaps. And guess what? 
in the beginning, NATO, just like the very, very beginning, they're going to do really well. That's your crack troops. That's your, you know, <clears throat> your <clears throat> same thing with, excuse me, Germans and all that. You know, when they lost their crack troops in Stalingrad, it was just marshmallow beneath. And same with Ukraine. So NATO's filling the gaps. Well, let's not lie. Like, this is very dangerous for you know, checks and French and Poles and stuff to put on and do it themselves. But they'll die just like anyone else because other than the United States, and I guess you could argue Turkey, NATO really is a paper tiger. They don't have much either. They're going to still run out of ammo, still going to run out. <clears throat> I mean, they have personnel for sure, but they don't have large numbers of professionally trained soldiers and it's not like oh you have you, you can't just like this is the number of men that live in a country so we have this many fighters like no you have that like you can have reservists and somebody can pick up a rifle point it and shoot it but professional soldiers warfare today is you need like a college course to know how to use artillery and all the computation and math and physics and things involved to be a professional pilot of a fighter jet takes years of training and mastering. Think about a drone tech or whatever, a gamer or whatever. How many damn hours that kid has put in to that first person shooting game to get as proficient as they are or whatever or flying a drone. It's not you can't just like pick someone and go here, you do the artillery, you do the drone, here, you drive this tank, much less fly this MiG. That's why they couldn't just give them planes. They don't know how to fly F-16s and things. They know how to fly the uh, their own style. And you can't just, it's not like a car where you just get in and go. Flying a plane, a fighter jet especially, it's very complicated. And it has to communicate with the ground. These are professional jobs you take a lot of math a lot of physics and then you have your grunt work where not everybody can just carry around a hundred pound pack of gear and all that there's a limited number of dudes even for this you know quote unquote simple mentally simple jobs uh that can do this ukraine has run out of crack troops it's just like farming that is a professional skill you can't just put a seed in the ground water it and walk away you'll starve so although NATO has you know a large population of guys, they're in other industries, right? And yeah, they're making the lights stay on. Well, they're not even doing that now. But you know, they clean the sewers, they drive the trucks, they keep all the infrastructure running. They're they're the accountants, they're the whatever. There's a lot of men doing a lot of things, but not a lot of them being soldiers. And besides, I guess you know Turkey and maybe France. None of them have. Like, Ukraine has already lost more soldiers than Britain possesses. Okay? They've lost way more army than the British army. I mean, the total British military, Navy and Air Force included. 80,000 guys. Ukraine's had that many dead and wounded already. Right? They've lost more than Britain has. Okay? They cannot just replace them. So the mercenaries that are there, it's not like, oh, NATO's getting going. I'm like, no, that's, that's it. That's all they got except for the United States, which is a very big except for. That's a long distance to protract power with a very weak, unpopular president.
Americans are not going to put up with austerity for Ukraine. They got enough problems with with the border and the inflation and the supply chain crisis and the you know just the social crap, giving drugs to kids and chopping boys' dicks off and all the crazy crap that's going on in the United States. When elections are coming up, midterms, the U.S. desperately needs a victory, even if it's short-term in Pyrrhic, Pyrrhic, uh, in its nature to point to to justify all the all the billions they've already sunk into a, a sinkhole called Ukraine the television is not going to explain the people the coup Victoria Nuland and Yasnik and Portashenko and then onward to Zelensky and the, the, the whole thing if people knew they would be appalled the money laundering the child trafficking the, the human trafficking in general sex slavery from women all these things that come out of Ukraine and especially their involvement with the DNC and the rings. And I've explained that with Ihor Kolomoisky and Jean-Luc Burnell, third, number three guy in the Epstein ring. <clears throat> we've, we've gone over this ad nauseum, right? We, we, we talked about it before that, right? Back, <clears throat> back in 98, I told you. I went and found this. By the way, back in 1998, I told you about the massive human trafficking rings coming out of Ukraine to Israel. For they're getting young white girls to be slaves in Tel Aviv. Well, I'm not going to walk from 1998 now. I don't have the energy, the breath. I just I'm assume you know, and we're going to start from like you know this this month. <laughs> NATO was definitely involved in the uh, in both offensive, and it didn't work in Kyrgyzstan, and it worked much better in Kharkiv. Uh, as far as like looking cool look we got stuff on the map um <clears throat> and you know i guess they're afraid they might lose kharkiv city and so then it may be worth the trade-off to go ahead we're gonna lose donbass anyway let's go ahead and shore up at least keep kharkiv and odessa that if that is the plan uh then man it's just cold-hearted as hell to sacrifice all those people near on the periphery of donbass but yeah that may be what they have to do but see you could do that anyway if you would just negotiate you could keep odessa while you can but if you keep prolonging this russia's gonna do what it's been doing reconsolidate bring up the grinder stick you the wood shepherd overwhelm you with artillery because you have not figured out a way to counter this type of offense okay so I think 